Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Uh, I want to tell you a story, guys, and this is about how, um, how sometimes we, we, without knowing it, can open the door to things that lead us away from Jesus. Uh, but uh, on occasion, my wife and I um, have found that if we can pop down to the beach here and there um, just for like a, a quick overnight trip or something like that, come back, be gone for 24 or 32 hours, that's really great for our hearts. And, uh, and we did that recently. We popped down to the, to the beach. I think we left at like 10 o'clock at night. We didn't get down there until like 1.30 in the morning. We're, we're, just, we're just like college sweethearts, you know? So I uh, lost of energy. We got down there and then... Um, you know, the, we just kind of piddled around the beach, and we, we had a lot of fun. It was so good. But as we were getting ready to check out of our hotel, you know, we got up that morning, and we went to breakfast, and then we, we went to the hotel gym, and we were exercising. Um, I was pounding the weights. Adrian decided to get on the, uh, on the treadmill, and when she gets on the treadmill, that stresses me out. And so I decided uh, that I would go back to our room, and I, we had about 40 minutes before we had to check out. I decided to go back to my room, and, and, uh, and I would kind of get showered up and, and kind of get ready, and then she could finish her run, and, and she could do the same thing, and we'd be out of there on time. Well, um, as I was, uh, after I got out of the shower, and as I was getting dressed, I had, you know, put my clothes on except for my shirt. I had, I had my shirt just around my neck, and I'm getting ready to put my arms in. That's how I do it. Do you guys do the same thing? You guys put your arms in your shirts? All right. Um, so, but I, I hear a knock on the door, and, and I'm thinking, well, that's Adrian. And so I go over, and I, I peek through the, the, the peephole thing there, and I, I saw what I thought was Adrian. So a, a, a young lady with long brown hair. You know, I've, I've got the shirt just still around my neck, not on. Um, so but I I opened the door, and it wasn't Adrian. It was housekeeping, all right? So I'm standing there just, you know, looking like Rambo, you know? And, uh, and, and this lady, she, she looks angry, not happy to see me. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what that was. Uh, but uh, she, she's got her cart there, and she begins, literally, guys, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. She begins yelling at me, Okay. Uh, but she didn't speak English. She was yelling at me in a different language. So I didn't know what was making her so angry. And I, I'm like, ooh, easy, easy. I shirt around my neck. <laughs> I'm wearing it like a chain. Uh, I'm, I'm like, hey, ma'am, I, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, we still have 20 minutes before we have to check out. Just come back in 20 minutes. We'll be out of your hair. She's yelling. And now she's taking authority as she's yelling. And she, she's like doing this kind of thing. She's like ha- hand pounding, all right? Now, um, I've, I've stayed at a lot of hotels. I've never had this before. I didn't know what to do. So I said, ma'am, if you have a problem, um, I would like to encourage you to go down and talk to the people uh, at the front. I said, I can't help you today. Um, I will be out of your way in 20 minutes. She continues, and then she starts saying one word. I don't know what the word was because it was in a different language that I don't speak. I was starting to wonder, God, is this tongues? Is, is this a prophetic word for me in this moment from an angry prophet? And I, um, but I, I'm listening. I'm not hearing anything. She She's repeating one word over and over and over. And something happened uh, in me. In the past, I would have kept taking that abuse. And I would have just said, oh, it's my fault, it's my fault. But something rose up in me at this time as a 44-year-old man that has been learning what it is to be a man, what it is to be a Jesus follower, that, that sometimes taking verbal abuse or other abuses is not from God, and I don't have to stand there and take it. And what I did is I said, ma'am, I'll see you later, and I closed the door on her. All right? Felt great. Are you proud? Felt so good. 
I watched her through the peephole and she just looked confused and then she went away. I was like, man, that felt good. In the past, I would have just, you know, I just would have, I probably would have welcomed her in. The agent would have walked in, had my shirt off, like she's there, like all the, it would have looked weird. But, uh, but in, this, in this case, I slammed the door on someone that is yelling at me and I don't know why, okay? Now, it was a funny story. I just had to get that out there. It doesn't work perfectly with what I'm trying to say except for this. Guys, there are some things that are in our lives that are yelling at us and that want to take our attention away from Jesus and we keep listening, all right? Some of them aren't yelling with authority in a different language and, and frustrating us. Some of the things that we've literally opened the door to, they actually seem like Jesus. They kind of look like him, just like this lady kind of looked like my wife. We open them, we think that they're kind of like Jesus, but if we keep the door open, we find that our hearts stop to burn. You hear this? And then we wonder why worship kicks up and we feel nothing. And then we wonder why, man, why does my heart and my life, why do I feel cold and stale? Why do I feel like I'm going nowhere? Why are, 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 am I arguing with my kids? Why is it icy between me and my spouse? Let me just tell you, this is not rocket science, guys. It's because you've opened your heart's door to something that has cooled your heart off. You have, you have opened your heart to something that was not of God. You have some, maybe it was stealthy, maybe you didn't see it, but you need to find it. And you need to find out what is cooling my heart off. Because I tell you, there is enough room in your heart for one master. All right, one. And Jesus didn't come to accessorize us. He came to be the Lord of our lives. We don't add him to the equation, he is everything or nothing. You hear this? He did not come just to be a part. He came to take it all. If you take a $100 bill and you divide it in half, you don't celebrate that you have 250%. You, you have just destroyed the entire value of that one bill. And Jesus came to be all, not just something. And so here we are, and our tendency is to slip into something where, listen, and here's how it happens. Because in the, in the evangelical church where we have downplayed emotions, we have downplayed affections, and we have downplayed feelings, what happens is I, I have seen that usually what happens is the cooling off of our heart, the cooling off of our love for God, all right, that the lukewarmness of our lives comes from not caring about our heart's desires and opening the door to something else that we would desire, okay? There are so many times, there's so many gospel presentations where Jesus is presented as a tool to get you to heaven, which is what you really want, instead of the one in whom your heart really wants. You hear this? And so, so, listen, guys, the, the gospel is not that you use Jesus to get to heaven. If you get to heaven and Jesus is not there, let me guarantee you it is not heaven. All right? The gospel is that you get Jesus. You get Jesus. And so many of us have received a gospel that has nothing to do with Jesus except by using him as a tool or a bridge. All right? And so I want us to close the door to that. And I want our hearts to be able to reignite with truth. And the truth is, you were made to burn for him. You were made to want him. You were made to adore him. This, this season, I think our favorite song needs to be, Oh, come let us adore him. We want to adore him. We want to adore him. We want to burn for him. 
Okay, so, so no matter what that looks like, we want it from the inside out. You know what? Uh, you know what a, a creepy thing can happen is we can blow a shofar on a Sunday morning. We can lay and roll on the ground, but our hearts don't have to burn. And we can stand in the back and we can look theologically astute, but our hearts don't have to burn. The real question is, what is going on in your heart? The, the, the question is not, what have you done for Jesus? The question is, do you desire him like for real? And this is what I want to talk about today, and this is really the problem. God has never asked people for heartless, mindless deeds. He's always just asked for their hearts and all of it. All right, and so in Jeremiah, if you want to turn there, Jeremiah chapter 2. I've been reading Jeremiah. I haven't been able to get out of chapter 3. I think there's so much. That was my mom's cough. I recognize that. Was that you, mom? Wait. Yeah, there she is. Okay, anyway, I, I knew it. I knew it. That's like a family cough. I got it. Uh, but uh, how did I? I didn't even know you were sitting there uh, until I heard you. My heart started burning. I was like, mom, that was a mom thing. So, uh, but, uh, so Jeremiah, um, chapter 2 and chapter 3, I love this because Jeremiah uh, is, a, is a young man and he gets the call of God on his life, and God says, like, Jeremiah, I have called you from the womb. I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. You're going to go where I tell you to go, and you're going to say what I tell you to say. And do you know what the first thing that Jeremiah says, that, that the Holy Spirit inspires Jeremiah to say as a young man to a people? Listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 2, starting with verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says, saying, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. Now, this is, this is how prophets operated uh, in the Old Testament. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, now we've got the prophetic ministry it, that, that's available to everybody to share the heart of God, and it doesn't look exactly like this anymore, all right? It's better now, but this is how it was then, all right? Look at, look at uh, thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. I just want to stop there. There's more there. This is the kind of thing where you start to say, oh, let's get to the good part. I'm telling you, this is the good part. Do you know why? Because this shows what God wants. This, is, this shows the desire of God's heart. And it says nothing about, you know, you followed me, though you didn't feel like it. You followed me, though you didn't want to. You just kind of like, Pulled your, yourself up by your own bootstraps and you did what you didn't want to do. And I loved that. That is not what God says. Do you know what God wants? Do you know what God remembers? I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride. Whew. This is what God wants. You know what I remember? I remember the days that you were devoted to me out of love. Not just brotherly love. The affectionate love of a bride. I remember that. How you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. In other words, you followed me, no questions asked, through the wilderness. You didn't know where we were going, but you were a love-sick bride, and I was the groom. This is what the weeping prophet Jeremiah says. And he's called the weeping prophet because he, he feels and sees God's heart that God wants a devoted, lovesick bride that follows him anywhere that he says just for love's sake. But what is actually happening in Israel and what is actually happening in Judah is the opposite is happening. It's, it's people are going through motions 
And any kind of following of God is not actually coming from the heart. It's coming from obligation. It's obligatory love, not passionate, lovesick, bridal kind of love. All right? Now, I want you to look at this uh, as well then. I want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 13, starting with verse 19. It says this, I said... How I, would, how I would set you among my sons. Now, now Jeremiah is prophesying not to the people of Israel, but of Judah. Now, if you know anything about, about, uh, about history, um, Israel and Judah were one, but then they were split into you know, Israel and Judah. And now, But they're all, they're all people of the promise, the covenant promise of God. And so now God is talking to them, and he, he's saying this. This is what I wanted from you. How I would set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land a heritage most beautiful of all nations. And here's what, I, here's, here's what God thought would happen after he makes Judah his family, treats them like sons, gives them a heritage more beautiful than all the nations. Here's what he thought would happen. I thought you would call me my father. I thought you would call me my father and would not turn from following me. See, I thought that when I brought you into my family... I thought that when I, when I gave you what you don't deserve, but when I bestowed on you grace gifts, I thought that you would call me dad, he says to Judah. And he, and he says to Israel, so I, I remember your devotion when you followed me out of lovesickness, not obligation. I remember that. This is, when we read the Bible, we're seeing this is what God wanted. But the, the problem here is not that God wanted something that was impossible. The problem here is that we didn't want what God wanted, you see. Our hearts were not lined up with his. God says, I want you like, a, like a, a lover bride. I want you, I want to be your father. I want you to be in my family. I want you to be my sons. And I want, to, uh, I, I want you to be my daughters. Now the problem is, this is what God is pouring out on his people. But the problem is, his people don't want that. It is a desire problem. God's heart is hurt. Do you know that God is a person, he has feelings. He has emotions. Emotions aren't bad in and of themselves. When we run our lives by our emotions, that's wrong. But emotions are, God, God wired us with emotions that are supposed to, to want him. It's a part of being a human being. All right? If you, if you read, um, read C.S. Lewis, anybody read C.S. Lewis ever? All right? What he says in his book, The Weight of Glory, he said, the problem is not that we desire too much, it's that we desire too little. We're far too easily pleased. It's like, it's like God's calling us to a vacation at the sea, or C.S. Lewis and, and his English kind of British thing, a holiday at the sea, but we settle for making mud pies in the slums, he says. This is the problem. We, we've been invited to God's family, to be God's people, to operate not out of law, but of love, and we don't want it. So God's problem with, with Israel and Judah that he's communicating through the prophet Jeremiah is, is number one, you have forsaken God. You have forsaken God. Look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, starting with verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. Here's the two things. Here's what's broken my heart. Okay? Two evils. They have forsaken me, this, and this is significant, the fountain of living waters. Okay? And then number two, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. 
Now, a cistern was an ancient water receptacle. Often people would have them in their homes. If you've ever been to the Bible Museum in D.C., I went there. I was obsessed with it. I could have spent all kinds of time there, all right? You see these cisterns that rainwater would collect in and stuff. It was actually in people's homes, and people guarded their, their cistern well because you need water to live, all right? And here God is saying, God is saying this. Um, I am a fountain of not just any old kind of rainwater here. I'm a fountain of living water. I bring life to every place that I touch, all right? But you don't want me. You've forsaken me. And in other words, what has happened is, is when we're saying that God's people have forsaken him, we're just saying that, he, that, that they're ghosting him, they're rejecting him. He's showing up. We're not. He's there. We're long gone. We've rejected him. Now, now, this would be one thing if he didn't want us or he didn't like us, but these are his covenant people. These are the people that he loves. This is, this is heart terminology saying, you have rejected me and I'm the fountain of living water. In other words, there's no other place that you can get life or satisfaction or joy or anything. I have offered myself to you and you haven't wanted me. There we are back at desire again. Do you see this? They've forsaken God. That's, that's number one. But here's what makes forsaking God even worse. Is that they've forsaken God for self-made, man-made, man, uh, woman-made, broken cisterns. God is a well of life. Not broken. Completely wonderful in and of himself offering himself to us. And it's one thing that God's people didn't want him, but what they, here's the thing, what they preferred over him who is life is they preferred their own man-made brokenness. They wanted an ancient water receptacle that leaks. In other words, no matter what you put in this thing, it's gonna drain out and it's never gonna satisfy you. It's always gonna leave you high. It's always gonna leave you dry. It is not gonna work. Why in the world do you want that over me? Do you see how this is lover terminology? Have you ever been hurt and someone has chosen somebody else over you and you look at the person that won the, your love's heart and you're like, really? Them? Really? Come on. And here God is saying, like, listen, you've forsaken me. You've forsaken me for another lover, and the other lover doesn't satisfy you, and you know it. You know it. The, this broken cistern, is you're going to, no matter what you put in it, is going to leak. And this is God's issue. He offers himself true living water, but the people's desires are not lined up with the immeasurable value that God is. They're blind to his value. All right? Now, here are the broken sisters. Like, uh, sister, not broken sisters. There are broken sisters out there, I'm sure. All right? But broken sisters. All right? L let me say it this way before we get to the broken sisters. Uh, what makes this really dishonoring is the desire for something far or someone far inferior to God. So God is being devalued, dishonored, heartbroken over things or people or, or stuff that is far inferior to he who is superior, all right? There are inferior things or the things that don't measure up. Then there are superior things. A superior thing is something that's better than everything else. And you know that you have a problem when you de desire the inferior over the superior. You were made for the superior. You're not made to be superior. Listen, 
Listen, listen, listen. You got to get this, all right? So much of our stuff and so much of our teaching wants to put people at the top and, and Jesus serves us, all right? Listen, we serve him, all right? He is the superior one and his grace and his love is that he allows you access to he who is superior. He doesn't make you superior. He allows you to know he who is superior and that is the greatest gift that he could give. It's called himself. You hear this? All right, so the second that we start using Jesus to become the best and we think that that's biblical, I begin to shudder in my biblical shoes and get scared. I was not made to have people worship me. I, I was made to worship him. That's when I'm most alive. That is living water, you see, all right? And this is really what sin is. What sin is biblically is not underperforming, so I miss the mark. We have this picture of God and he's sitting on a cloud and he's looking down on us and saying, didn't do it right, didn't do it right, didn't do it right. You're going to hell and you're going to hell and you're going to hell. Why? Because you didn't do it right and you didn't do it right and you didn't do it right. That is religion. Works-based performance-oriented living. That is not kingdom. That is not God's heart. And you know what? You can live right without your heart. So like religion just says, check all the boxes Follow all the rules. Your heart doesn't matter. And when you get around people that are in tune with their heart and they begin to cry in God's presence, they begin to want in God's presence, they begin to, oh, come let us adore in God's presence, and they do adoring things in God's presence, that just feels weird to a person that's just living for God out of taskmaster obedience, white-knuckled living, you see. But what, what sin is biblically is actually not underperforming, it is underpreferring. You hear that? Sin biblically is not underperforming. It is underpreferring. Underpreferring, not underperforming. You hear that? I, I've said this in, in all my years of ministry. I probably said this. This is probably the 2,000th time I've preached on this, and I still don't think that we get it. God, I just pray the blinders would come off this moment. And that we would see that sin, that, that you are not someone watching our performance. We are not your entertainment, God. But we are people made for your heart, you see. And that sin is actually valuing something over and above God. That is inferior to he who is superior. We, we build for ourselves broken cisterns that can't hold water. And we like it for some reason. And it's dishonoring to God. And it's called sin. And it's God is offering himself, but being rejected for something smaller and broken. And so repentance is not being sorry that you did not hit the target. This is not an archery class. This is not clay shooting, all right? Clay bird shooting, if you know what that is. This is not, this is not you know, this is not performance. Repentance is not being sorry or regretting that you did not hit the target as much as it is that you dishonored the treasure of the universe who is offering you himself, but you preferred something worse, smaller, inferior to him. This is sin comes from the heart. It comes from your desires. Do you see this? And, and often, like, we can, we can show up in church, not feel a thing. We, we, we didn't even have one ounce of, of, of affection in our hearts for God all week. But we cracked our Bible, and we showed up in church, and we think we're good. Listen, we're not. If your heart is not engaged, you're not okay. 
You have opened the door to something. Do you know what, do you know what Israel and Judah had opened their heart's door to? They opened their heart's door to the gods of the nations. That's what they did. That's what they did. So they're taking the land that God gave them to inhabit. And then, and this is what is blowing God's mind, is that God who gave them all of this land, God that gave them freedom from Egypt, God that was a, a cloud by day and a fire by night in the 40 years in the desert, is when they get into the land, walking in the goodness of God's heart, they decide that what they actually want is the gods of the nations. Whew. Lesser gods. It's interesting, in Jeremiah chapter 2, starting with verse 27, this is what the people are doing. They, you know, you say to a tree, you are my father, and to a stone, you gave me birth. See, God wants to be the father of his people, but these people are saying to a tree, you're my dad. Sounds crazy, but it's happening. To a stone, you created me stone. Because they're worshiping the, the gods of the age. For they have turned their backs to me and not their face. God wants to be in relationship, not see backs but faces. He wants to talk. He wants to walk. He wants to love. He wants to play. He wants to have fun with his kids. He wants to be lovesick one for another. But in the time of their trouble, they say, listen to this. But in the time of their trouble, they say, arise and save us. And so here's what God says to these people. And, you know, I know that, hey, this is Jeremiah. This is Old Testament. This is pre-cross. This is, this is, this is, this is, I get it. But there's something about it that just makes sense at the same time. Listen to this. In the time of trouble, they say, arise and save us, which God wants us to say to him. But God is saying, where are your gods that you made for yourself? Let them arise. Let them save you. So you left me, the fountain of living water, and you created cisterns that leak. Those are the gods of the nations. But when, you, when, it, when your life gets wrecked and ruined because of that decision, you come back to me, and I'm just saying, stay with who you left me for. See how that goes for you. See if that satisfies your heart. See if trees and stones, see if, if man-made ideas can actually satisfy the deepest places of your soul and of your heart. I'll say this, that some of the hardship that you're in is because you're, you've opened the door to something else that has promised you joy, that has promised you life outside of God. And you've just, you just opened the door and you didn't close it on them. It, it, maybe, it was, maybe it was nasty, maybe it was weird. Maybe you're like, no, I think I can kind of juggle this. This is, there's so many people, the, the, I've seen this, an inch and a half before they fall into sin, I hear them saying, well, I put myself in a weird situation, but I can handle it. No, you can't. can't. What are you talking about? You can handle it. In fact, talking like that shows that your door has been open for quite a long time, you see. That is not how Jesus would ever have you talk. That is not how the Holy Spirit would ever lead you. That you can handle the tension of this hor potentially horrible situation. All right? So some of the hardships we're in is because we're looking for joy in life outside of God. But the gospel that we preach to people doesn't have Jesus being our joy. Do you hear that? The gospel that we preach to people often it says this, says this, you, you know, you need to go to heaven. You need to forsake all this other stuff and repent, all right? And it's basically what is implied is you could have fun 
but don't follow Jesus. You could have a lot of joy. You could, you could live on the wild side and laugh with all your friends, but don't hang out with your friends over there and have fun. Follow Jesus instead. And you look at the church like half alive, and you're like, yeah, like I, do I want to have fun or do I want to follow Jesus? Well, let me tell you this. That holiness is fun. All right? Following Jesus is a greater living cistern. I'm spitting like crazy today. It's like snow coming out of my mouth. I don't know why. So uh, Merry Christmas. All right? Snowing. All right? Anyway, I forgot what I was going to say. I, I'm snowing out of my mouth. All right? So listen, let, let's get back here. C.S. Lewis says this, our main problem is not that we desire too much, but we desire too little. We prefer making mud pies in the slums instead of enjoying a holiday at the sea. Let me tell you this, that no amount of worldly fun is as fun as Jesus all right? He is a joy like no other. When you decide to follow him, you're not, saying, you're not saying no to greater joy and settling for lesser. You're saying no to lesser joy and, and, and accepting the greater. You see, this is, this is, God's not asking you to lay down your life for him and somehow you're just not going to have a blast following Jesus. Even if it costs you your life, there'll be joy in your heart as you give it up for him. The Christian life is not about rules and regulations. It's about the battle for your heart. In other, in other words, what, do, what does my heart want more than anything else? I want you to turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 10 just for a moment because there's a passage of Scripture here that takes this out of the, the problem that Jeremiah was speaking to is just like this cyclical problem of God saves his people and they just return to vomit and to false treasures with false promises when he's been offering himself the whole time. And here we see in Mark that now Jesus is on the scene, Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17. We know this is the story of the rich young ruler. I'm just going to read it to us. It says this, and as he was setting out on his journey, that's Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him, that's the rich young ruler, and asked him, here's this question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher. Now this is, this is the rich young ruler talking back to Jesus. He said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, I love this. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Now this guy just failed the test miserably, all right? Jesus is just kind of... He's failed the test miserably, and Jesus doesn't hate him because of his prideful arrogance. He doesn't even know that he's a failure, all right? Jesus loves this guy. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Listen, all the treasure that you have, like, listen, you've obeyed the law well. Congratulations. The law was given so you'd see your, your need for a savior. The law was given so you'd see your sinfulness not as a means to access the kingdom. All right? I, I still feel like we don't know this. All right? But the law was actually given so this guy would see that, he's a sa that he needs a savior named Jesus. But this guy hears the law and says, yes, great. I've done it. I've done it. All right? And Jesus says, okay. You lack one thing, go sell. He's getting to his heart. 
He's getting to what do you desire? What do you really want? Faith includes our heart's desires, not a, a heartless mental decision to go to heaven but our heart's desires to see the things of the earth as rubbish compared to Jesus and want him. So you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. In other words, in other words, you know what the rich young ruler is saying? Hey, I want heaven. I don't want you. You hear this? The rich man wants to go to heaven. He doesn't desire Jesus. Jesus to him is just a messenger. Jesus to him is just a tool. Jesus is just the one that can tell him how he can get what he really wants. But he's, he, he doesn't want Jesus enough to sell all that he has to follow him. Do you, see, do you hear this? Do you see what's happening before Jesus' very eyes as he's being rejected for stuff? For gods of the world. For I've, I've accumulated all of this stuff. All of my dreams are uh, uh, associated with my possessions. I've been living my whole life. You know, all of, this, all of this, these raw materials that I have are from generations of wealth in my family. I'm not just going to give it all up so I can follow you. Just tell me how I can get to heaven so I don't have to suffer. And the, the desire for ease the desire for heaven, the desire for family reunions, but a lack of desire for Jesus is just, it's just widespread. Our gospel presentations don't even have us valuing Jesus more than everything anymore. So the rich man wants to go to heaven, but he doesn't want Jesus. Jesus is just the messenger. That's why Jesus says, here's what you lack. I love you, dude. I'm saying this out of love. Go sell it all. Give to the poor. You know what? He's, you know what the, the moment of decision here is? Because if, if this young man decided to sell all that he had, he would be in faith believing that all that I have cannot compare with who I've just met. Jesus is better than all that I've got. So he goes away sorrowful because his real treasure was, was his possessions. He goes away sorrowful, kind of like kicking and saying, oh, Jesus just didn't help me out today, not knowing that he had just dishonored <laughs> the Lord of life himself in the flesh deeply. Jesus didn't help me out. I'm not going back to his church. It's one of my greatest concerns for the church is that we hear a gospel message that says, here's how to get to heaven. And listen, I, I want to go there. I want you to be there. But I hope that the reason we want to go to heaven is not so we can just escape hell, but have Jesus. You hear this? Boy, the goal of the gospel, listen to this, my friends. The goal of the gospel is God. You hear this? The goal of the gospel is not escaping hell. The goal of the gospel is God himself. Since I can tell that you don't believe that, let's listen to this. Second um, Peter, you know, 3.18. So good. No, that's not, it's actually 1 Peter 3.18. I've been reading First and Second Peter. I miscombobulated them here. Listen to this, 1 Peter 3.18. 
For Christ also suffered once for sins. He pays, he pays for your sins. All of your wanting other stuff and preferring other stuff over him, he pays for all of that. The righteous, that's Jesus. For the unrighteous, that's you and I that prefer everything but him. Here's why that he might bring us to God is why. Why did Jesus suffer once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we might escape hell and go to heaven? Well, that's the fruit. It's not the root. That's not the heartbeat of the message. The heartbeat of the message is you wanted God more than the things of the world. You wanted him. You saw him as valuable. You, you received him by faith, not just used him as a tool. How many here love being used like a tool? Listen, God doesn't either. He is the way, he's the truth, but he is the life, the living one, not the broken cistern. And so the gospel is a reconciliation between God and man. It's a, it's a return back to a love relationship where as a bride, we affectionately loved our groom. Where as sons and daughters, we called the father, Papa. We get, we get to know you. We just want you, God. You're better. I trust you with my future more than I trust me and financial counselors with my future any day. Jesus, I have found that you are better for me than anything and everyone else. So the rich man wants to go to heaven, but he doesn't want Jesus. And we're also seeing that this rich man is trusting his own righteousness for heaven, for the forgiveness of his sins. Verse 20, when Jesus says, hey, he, Jesus is, is listing the Ten Commandments to this guy, and this guy is saying, all these I have kept from my youth. Hey, we're good. Well, in other words, he's saying, dude, I deserve heaven on my own. I earned it. I earned it. Hey, I did all that. Did it. Done. What else? Am I good? Nothing to do with Jesus. This guy thinks that he's obeyed the law with perfection. And the rich, the rich ruler wants to use the law to get to heaven because it allows him to bypass his heart for Jesus. Am I going too deep for you here? The, the rich ruler wants to use the law to get to heaven. He doesn't have to have one affection for God. He just uses the law like, like math and, is, and literally walks away based on worldly professions from the one who made him, formed him for himself. Do you know that the law was not given as a means of salvation? It was, it was a given to show your need of a savior and Jesus perfectly obeyed the law for you? He's not asking you to obey it for your salvation. Doesn't matter how good you think you are. Listen, you're not compared to Jesus. Here's the good news. Jesus obeyed the law for you. Stop trying to, to bless God with your good performance and of, of you know, being a good boy or a you know, Baptist girl or a good assemblies boy, good Baptist girl, good you know, Mennonite, Methodist, brethren. Like you just name your denomination. I don't care. They all have it. We're all, we're, we've all got it. We think that God's impressed with, with our following of the law. But let, you know, God, the Father's only impressed with Jesus' following of the law. And then Jesus gives you his perfect righteousness as a gift, and our hearts should go, whoa, wow, God. You know that the rich young ruler is really similar to Paul in Philippians chapter 3, except Paul decided, based on all of his good stuff, that his good stuff wasn't as good as Jesus. 
Listen to Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 4. Though I myself, this is Paul speaking, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Listen, here's here's his pedigree. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, now, so he, he, was the, he was the best at following the law. He had the pedigree. He had the past. He, was, he came from the right family. He's doing all the right stuff, obeying all the rules, proving it with his zeal. Look at verse 7, though. He says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Why? For the sake of Christ is why. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain not heaven, but Christ. This is what I want. I lived such an amazing life, like the rich young ruler. I lived such an amazing life. But when I met a man named Jesus, I found that all the stuff that I had and all the future that I had, all the future that the world promised me is not as good as Jesus. Jesus is better than my whole life's work. And I decided to count it all as rubbish. I decided to flush it just so I could follow Jesus because Jesus is better than everything. I promise you, if you have dreams that don't include Jesus, you can get to your dreams you, and, and you can be an unhappy 70-year-old man or woman having fulfilled your wildest dreams. Here's why. You weren't made for your dreams. You were made for a man named Jesus who would give you better dreams than you could ever dream on your own. All right? You're not fulfilled by your dreams. You're fulfilled by a man named Jesus. You're not satisfied by your dreams. You're not satisfied by success. It never works, guys. You're only satisfied. Your heart only rests when it comes to know a man named Jesus as the treasure of your lives, who there is nothing better than. I want to wrap it up here, but I just I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about wedding vows. I want you to think some of the worst pain is relational pain when you're in covenant with somebody. I want you to imagine this. You're standing at the altar and you tell or you hear this from your just about to be spouse. Hey, listen, I'm committing to being married to you, but I don't like you. I love you and I don't want you. And you're just like, oh, thank you. That's so good. We're going to have such a wonderful life together. Yay. You know, no, no, hey, listen, I don't care about the life. I care about the love, all right? I, I, I don't, I, like, I'm not willing to go into this just based off of decision. I want our hearts to be in it. I want to be wanted. I want to want you. I want to be loved, and I want to love you. I, I want us to want each other. And so many of us, this is, this is kind of like the kind of relationship we have to, with God. We say, okay, here's the deal. You know, I'll pray the prayer. I'll get to heaven, you know, but just like, don't ask for my heart. 
And I just believe that, that God, is, the Holy Spirit is just moving in such a way. You know when we'll see revival is when, you know, when um, we don't have to have something special going on. And doesn't the lights and stage and everything look great? And it's good. we're going to sing Christmas songs and it's going to be, who knows, Santa might show up. All of this stuff that the church tries to do to get a crowd going. But I just say, who in the world cares? Who in the world cares? Listen, 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 guys. It is, it is a Jesus church is a church that just wants Jesus more than everything else. Okay, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have precision leadership going on around here. Like so that's, that's some people's gods. They're fine that there's no heat in the house as long as things are like concrete and sequential. Just listen, it is about your heart wanting him. Wanting him. The Knights Templar were dedicated their lives to God, but when they were baptized, they were baptized with their sword arm out of the water. So they say, hey God, listen, you got 90% of me, but this sword is gonna be unholy. I'm gonna do unholy things with it. And so many of us, we've dedicated parts of ourselves to God and we're, we wonder why he's not impressed. It's because he wants your heart. You're building broken cisterns with your lives and you're confused on why you're not satisfied. Listen, let me tell you this. Jesus is better than all your earthly treasures. And today, I, I'm asking you guys, I can't force you, I can't make this decision for you, but today, in, in, in more capacity, I'll be the first one to respond to my own altar call. I want to come back to wanting Jesus more by his grace, not as a performance, just, but, but I'm seeing him as better. Who else is just recognizing that Jesus is better? He's better. Why don't you just tell him that in your heart? Why don't you just tell him, Jesus, I recognize in a new, fresh way that you're better than everything else. Every present under the tree, every experience, all the stuff that I expend, all of my energy on. I just want to let you know, Jesus, today, that I see you as better than everything else. Some people here, they just need to get, you, you, you think you're saved, but you, you, your, your gospel message was escape hell, get to heaven. And the gospel is that you get Jesus. And the, the question this, this morning is, do you want him? Come to him by faith today and you can have him. Heaven with it. But him is the goal. So uh, listen, listen, get, get very real here for a moment. Holy Spirit, show us what doors that we've opened and left open. Show us how we're trying to arrange our lives so nobody sees the doors that are open. It's getting complicated. There's so many unholy plates spinning. We're tired of this kind of living. When we come back to you, Jesus. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing gift of righteousness. Knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. Holy Spirit, would you fall on this house? Why do we welcome you right now? We, we, we cry out, not as, not as poor beggars, but as lovesick lovers for more of your heart. Wow us with your beauty. Wow us with your glory. Wow us with your presence. Take our breath away. We don't want to be able to move. We want to be lost in awestruck wonder on who you are. God, rearrange our hearts. Give us new proper alignment where you are the focus and you are the center and it's about you and it's about you and it's about you. As a Jesus church, we want to be a church that Jesus actually likes to attend where you actually would want to walk in this room because there's so much love in the house. You're so welcome here. So God, I just pray, Lord, that these would be days 
that these would be days where you would just fall in this house. You would do great and mighty and awesome things in our midst. And that if there's one thing true about us, it would be that we're a Jesus church. We want Jesus more than everything else. We want him. You're, Jesus, you're, we declare today that you're wanted here. You take all of our messes, all of our uh, mistakes, all of our mess up, Scott. But you're not looking at those things. You're looking at, at what was purchased at the cross for us. And we just say, God, turn the heat back on in our hearts and be wanted here. Just be wanted here. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.